Good morning again. I would invite you to turn in your Bible to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 18. We've been moving through this book of Genesis for a while now. Um, we are able to take a chapter at a time, but this time we are going to just look at the first 15 verses. Genesis chapter 18. We'll begin in verse 1. Then Yahweh appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre while he was, that, that's Abraham by the way, while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold three men were standing nearby. He saw and he ran from the tent door to meet them and he bowed himself to the earth. And he said, my Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourself under the tree. And let me bring a piece of bread that you may be refreshed, that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass on since in such a manner you have passed by your servant. And they said, so you shall do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, hurry, prepare three sighs of fine flour, knead it and make bread cakes. Abraham also ran into the herd and took a tender and choice calf and gave it to his young men and he hurried to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and placed it before them. And he was standing by them under the tree and they ate. And they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, there in the tent. And he said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age, and Sarah was past childbearing. And Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And Yahweh said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a son even when I am so old? Is anything too difficult for Yahweh? At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Then Sarah denied it, however, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. I pray now as we just look at these, this passage that it would be uh, that you would just give clarity and understanding. Lord, may we apply these things to our heart uh, as it is appropriate. And we pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. Well, this is a visit from God. If you can imagine that, uh, can you imagine God coming to your house for a visit? And that's what is happening here. These three men that Abraham looks up, he sees these men, he approaches them, and um, 
one at least recognizes or uh, acknowledges himself as being Yahweh. And if you look down in verse 22, we see this that as the, the story continues in verse 22. Then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom while Abraham was still standing before Yahweh. So, so this is a theophany or a Christophany, if you will, that, that uh, God has come to visit. Maybe the other two were angels, uh, don't know. Uh, but God has come in a visible form as a man to, to visit God. Now, we don't recognize, it doesn't uh, indicate here that uh, Abraham recognized them, at least at first, maybe uh, toward the end, verse 14, there's some acknowledgement there. But uh, he didn't recognize them at first. Um, but they came to visit. And the whole passage, in fact, the next two chapters are going to be around this visit from God. The location is where Abraham and Sarah were living. And that was a tent. They were, by the way, still living in a tent after 25 years that God had moved them from the Ur of the Chaldeans up into the promised land. Abraham was still in a tent, no fixed location there. The Oaks of Mamre. Now, that was a large oak grove um, that was owned by Mamre. He was a, an Amorite, one of the brothers of the uh, uh, those that, uh, those men that helped Abram to uh, rescue Lot at that uh, at that time when he was when he was captured, taken away. This would have been 19 miles southwest of Jerusalem. It would have been in Hebron today, and the elevation would have been about 3,000 feet in, uh, above sea level. And the focus is upon this visit, upon a visit from. God himself and the purpose of the visit uh, was twofold. First of all, they were just passing by. Abraham saw them and invites them into the house or into uh, his uh, his dwelling there. They were just passing by because they were on their way to Sodom and Gomorrah to uh, to verify the, the corruption of that city because they, that city was going to be um, destroyed by the Lord. The second reason for this visit is to have a conversation with Abraham um, and Sarah about their son. But that's the problem, isn't it? In fact, that's been leading up to this for a few chapters. That's the it's hard for Abraham and Sarah to imagine that that God could produce a baby through them at this point in their life. They're old, advanced in years. Abraham is ninety nine years old, at least. He might have turned a hundred by this time. Sarah was 90 years old and they're probably feeling their age. The Bible says they were advanced in, in years past, certainly past childbearing years. And that's the, the real test for Sarah and, and Abraham. Are you going to trust the Lord? And I believe this visit is a real boost for them, a boost in their faith to encourage them. And the Lord knew that they needed this, and this is just a, an opportunity to, to do that. The point of the passage, Moses is writing to the children of Israel, where he's recording this, so that they can understand the, the details of Isaac's birth. But it's also a window into the character of Abraham. 
It shows his heart, where his heart is. He jumps right into the role of being a host. In fact, he's a perfect example of hospitality. But even that's not really the point. There is a point to be made there in hospitality. And we're going to look at that today. The focus is, is hospitality. Um, but the larger point comes down to, to one thing. It just shows the uniqueness of Isaac, this, this uh, son that is to be born to Abraham and Sarah. But even that points to the power of God. So don't miss that. In, in the, the storyline here, it's the, the power of God that, that really kind of overshadows everything else. The power of God. But it starts with just hospitality. Abraham is playing the role of host. That's where it starts. This visit from God and, and Abraham is, is now uh, doing hospitality. Hospitality is a command in the New Testament. For New Testament saints, we are commanded to practice hospitality. The passage that was read for us earlier is a good place to start. Um, Romans chapter 12, verse 13, we are to pursue hospitality. Pursue it aggressively. Uh, take it a, a, an active role in pursuing um, hospitality. First Timothy chapter 3, we see it's one of the characteristics of an elder. Paul told Titus and Timothy, he says, now, uh, when you are looking for someone that wants to be an elder, you have to ask the question, have they, are, are they hospitable? Are they hospitable? Uh, it's also in the list of those ladies over 60 years old who are helping the church, serving the church. Uh, they would be put on the, their uh, names would be put on a list only if they met the qualifications. One of the qualifications if they've shown hospitality, that's an important element in the New Testament church. Now, the passage that I want you to see, though, is uh, it's for everyone. Uh, and that is in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Just a, a short little verse. But I, I want you to know this verse. I want you to see this verse. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2 says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Don't neglect that. D- don't uh, allow that to just slip out of your life, out of your habits. And he goes on to say, what's the motivation here? He says, For by this some have entertained strangers without knowing it. That's the motivation. You don't know. You may be serving the Lord here, as some have done, and probably referring back to the passage in Genesis that we are that we're talking about. And so, the author of Hebrews is using uh, the visit from God to Abraham there as an illustration of showing hospitality. In fact, the motivation is you don't know. You may be serving the Lord right there. You may be serving an angel from the Lord and not even know it. So that, that's some motivation. Now let's go back to our passage. So we see in Scripture, in the New Testament, for New Testament saints, there's a mandate there for hospitality. Um, and the motive is just the idea of you're serving the Lord. 
Now, that idea of just serving the Lord is kind of a nebulous idea today. We, we, don't, we just say, oh, I'm just serving the Lord. Well, well, how are you serving the Lord? This puts things into a concrete form. <laughs> you, you serve the Lord by doing hospitality. And the Bible tells us how to serve the Lord in a very practical way. And the idea here, as the quote has been said many, many times in the past, the Lord doesn't need your service, but other people do. Hospitality needs to be done. And for the believer, it's really just a way of life. It's a way of righteousness. It's just the, the, the righteous life is a hospitable life because the believer cares for people. The believer wants to help people. There's a a servant mindset there. Now, some may say, well, you're taking the Bible a little bit too literally. You're taking the Bible a little bit too concretely. Well, the author of Hebrews did too. And when we look, Christ did too. And Paul and Peter, they did too. That's the way we have to take the Scripture. The Scripture has authority over our life. And the question for us is, is the Bible going to be the standard or is or is culture going to be the standard? Or just, well, I, we just want our own way. That's going to be the standard of our life. Or are we going to allow the Bible to speak into our lives? God to speak into our lives through Scripture. Are we going to listen to the whole counsel of God? Or are we just going to pick and choose the verses that we like uh, that talk about our salvation and talk about Christ and redemption? Those verses and just neglect everything else that God says? Now, we can't we can't do that. The Bible dictates what we do as believers and we cannot pretend that God hasn't spoken. Now, you've got thousands of voices calling for your attention today. Everybody wants to tell you how to think. Everybody, every every commercial, they want you to think a certain way. Every sermon, every every song even. But the Bible is what has authority in the believer's life. And it's God's Word, God using His Word, who reserves the right to speak into your life. And we just need to keep that in mind as believers. As we go through this passage. Now last week we saw that's exactly what was happening. We saw the word El Shaddai. That that God is an almighty God. And he showed himself powerful in Abraham's life. And and having authority over Abraham. He just interjects himself into Abraham's life and says, Okay, Abraham, here's what you're going to do. And Abraham just, he was faithful to obey And just trust the Lord. And we saw that as a pattern of Abraham's life. And throughout Scripture we see that he is a great and wonderful example of a man of faith. um, Who did what the Lord asked him to do. But we also see that Abraham was a good example of hospitality. Again, it's just the righteous life that God has called the believers to. And Abraham was faithful to do that. It's a life of faith. And so that, that's the principle. Hospitality is part of a righteous life. And it's motivated by the privilege of serving the Lord. You never know who you're serving. It's a wonderful thought. The question though, what are the elements of hospitality? Now I'm not talking about you can't put your elbows on the table and make sure you have the, you, you, the place 
setting just right, forks on the uh, one side, knives and spoon on the other side, all of that. It's not, a, it's not about the forks and spoons and elbows on the table. No. In this passage, we see that the passage is divided up in, very easily into four sections. And there are four different elements of hospitality. And you really can see this throughout uh, the Scripture as, as you have examples of hospitality. Four different, four different uh, elements of hospitality here. We have the opportunity, then we have the invitation, then we have the preparation, and then you have the conversation. Now let's start with the opportunity here. And that's in verses 1 and 2. We just see this. Then Yahweh appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre while he was sitting in the tent in the heat of the day. Now, so you just imagine this. It's, it's very, very hot, right in the middle, a uh, hot part of the day. Abraham is in the tent because it's shaded, but he's at the door. Maybe there's a cross breeze and he's, he's filling the breeze. He's, this is a nice, maybe it's a nice breeze there, but it's a very intense, very hot, heat, arid uh, dry uh, area of, of the country. And he lifts up his eyes and he looks and behold, three men were standing there. And he saw and he ran from the tent door to meet them and he bowed himself low. Bowed himself low. It's just a, a common greeting that would have been showing a sign of respect there. Um, notice a, a couple of things. Just right off, he he saw them. Two two things he did. He saw them. So he, he saw them, but he saw them in the situation. A hot part of the day, sun beating down. Obviously, they've had to to walk to to get there to some at least some distance to to get to his place. And he saw their need. He saw the need. The heat of the day that they needed to get out of the sun. They needed water, they needed some food, they needed shade, shelter. So what did he do? He ran. Now that's not something you see in the Middle East. You don't see a a dignified, uh, wealthy, and that was what Abraham was, wealthy cattle owner in the Middle East to to run, have to roll up their their robe and and try to run in that way. It was just, just encumbering. And they, they just wouldn't do it. It wouldn't be dignified. But Abraham didn't care. And he ran. There's a certain urgency there. There's a certain example of, of just eagerness to serve. Now that's hospitality, isn't it? Hospitality starts on a heart level. It starts, that, that's where it starts and, and then it moves out. It starts in the heart, but it, it looks for opportunity, looks for opportunities, and it sees opportunities, it sees legitimate needs. That's the heart of a servant. That's the heart of somebody that, that's eager to serve the Lord. Here, let me help you with this. Let me get this. That's, that's the heart. That's the kind of heart that you see. And, and he bowed down uh, low, just a, a sign of respect. He wants to present himself as a servant of the Lord to help these people in whatever their need. But he sees the at least the obvious need and he's there willing and able to help them. Now that's a servant's heart. It's a servant's heart. They're strangers 
But he's willing, he's, he's able to help them. But they're strangers that, that God has placed in his life. God in his sovereignty has placed them in front of him. And so Abraham sees this. This is an opportunity. Hey, I can help these guys. I can meet their needs. Now, I had to ask myself, why is it that I don't take advantage of the opportunities that I see? One, maybe I'm just missing opportunities for for uh, hospitality. We could not take advantage of these opportunities because we're afraid, maybe. Because maybe we're too busy. Maybe we just don't like people. That needs to change. Maybe we say, well, that's not my giftedness, and so I, I just don't do that, or that's not my responsibility, or I'm too poor, my house is not very nice. And so we can think of a thousand excuses just to ignore opportunities, but we are to take advantage of opportunities, especially the ones that the Lord just drops in our lap. The Lord just uh, gives us that opportunity. Or maybe, maybe we're just afraid of evangelizing. Maybe we're just afraid of getting it wrong or having to share the gospel more. It's not too clear in our own mind that, that we, we bring people and pointing them out to their need so that they turn away from their sinfulness and turn to Christ in faith. We, pre, we take advantage of those opportunities. We, we have, uh, and, and the context here is in a home setting. And, and if you're just coexisting in your home, not really using your home as a place of ministry, just, just kind of coexist. You're missing opportunities, folks. Missing opportunities. Because the opportunities are there. But you know what? We have opportunities here at the church. We as members, we play host. People come into the door. I, I know Jeannie Moses was very, very good at this. She was very aggressive, very active at, at meeting people. I, I love that. They come in a little bewildered, which direction to go, haven't been here before, what do I do with my kids, are there kids' classes, what do we do? We have the opportunity to, to play hospitality or to, to uh, show hospitality to people. Hospitality is a lover of strangers, that's the definition, a lover of strangers. And we look for those opportunities to, to minister to people. And Abraham noticed the opportunity as the first place to start. The second thing that, that needed to happen is an invitation. Hospitality um, offers refreshment to strangers here. It's an offering. Verse 3, if you look at that. And he said, my Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourself under the tree. And let me bring a piece of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass on, since in such a manner you have passed by your servant. This, they said, so do as you have, as you have said. So he saw the opportunity, and now he's, he's going to invite them. Here, please, Come. And there's an invitation. But notice what he says first. I love this. If you have found favor, if you have found favor in, uh, if I, I'm sorry, if I have found favor in your sight. Now, 
He's assessed their needs. He's assessed their situation. He understands their situation. He knows how to meet that need. But he recognizes that they're assessing him as well. He recognizes, hey, is this, they're assessing him and they're thinking, okay, is this place sketchy? Is this place, uh, is this, uh, there's a little apprehension there when, whenever there's a meeting of strangers, isn't there? There just is. It's just there. And, and so this is, Abraham's not his first rodeo. He's seen this before and he wants to put them at, at ease here. If I found pleasure, if, if you, if you like what you see, if you, if this is approachable for you, have you ever driven up to a gas station? You need to use the restroom and you drive up and, and you're like, that's eh, a little sketchy. And your wife says, no, nah, I'm not going to go in there. And she makes you leave. That's kind of the situation. So he's, if I found, if I found favor in your sight. And, and he, he wants to present himself, his home, um, in a pleasing way. And that's a wonderful thing. It's a good thing. But notice the goal. Because that's not the goal. The goal is, in verse 5, we just see this little phrase, uh, bring some bread, going to meet some needs here, so that you may refresh your hearts. Now, I like that. Not just fill up your stomach. No, I want to refresh your heart. Refresh your heart. Strengthen you. Encourage you. Uh, give you some joy and, and um and then send you on your way with, with gladness. Having met your physical needs, but I want to refresh your heart. That, that puts hospitality on a, a higher level there. It's not just about meeting needs, although there is that. Abraham, he wants to satisfy his, his guest to the best of his ability. There's just a little bit of a warning here, because we live in a day that's just obsessed with impressing people. Oh, come to my, let me show you all this glorious stuff. It's not really about that. The, the size of your home. I know Dale Carnegie, we still have that kind of uh, philosophy is that how to win friends and influence people, at least in the business world. And, and we, we're, uh, we're exposed to marketing all the time. And, and, and uh, this is just great and but those things tend to exploit. Those things tend to just be facade, and shallow, and just optimistic, but really produce nothing. But when true hospitality is based upon care and love and sharing and humility and, and serving the other people, the, the goal has to be a little higher than just meeting people's needs, just the physical, physical needs. The motivation here is serving the Lord out of love, out of love. We see that that, that Moses was just afraid, and so he, uh, and fearing men, what are they going to think of me? No, his goal is, how can I minister to you? His goal is to refresh their hearts and not just fear the Lord. And he was acting on principle, the principle of just, Pleasing the Lord, refreshing their hearts. Because when it comes down to uh, hospitality, uh, listen, when it comes down to hospitality, motive matters. If you're just bringing in people to, to inf- influence them and to impress them, that's the wrong motive. 
The goal is to, to refresh their heart. And Abraham, he, uh, he spelled out the invitation here. He meets their needs. But he, he wants to refresh their souls. And, and hospitality is more than just meeting needs. It's a refreshing of the soul. An encouragement when they when they leave. Look at the preparation. Preparation, because hospitality is hard work. Look at verse nine. So Abraham heard in, uh, hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, "Hurry, prepare three size of fine flour." That would have been about thirty six pounds of flour, by the way. Abraham was feeding. An army here, it seems like, knead it and make bread cakes. And Abraham also ran to the herd and took a tender and choice calf. That would have been expensive. And he gave it to his young man and hurried to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf which he had prepared and placed it before him, before them. And he standing by them under the tree and they ate. Now, let's just stop right there. One of the first things you notice is that you ran everywhere, didn't he? There was, there, there was a, there's a, a hurriedness here. He, he was, he was prepared. He knew exactly what to do. Here's what they need. And, and he, he, he met the need as fast as he could. And, and this just shows probably habit. That, that Abraham had done this before and, and, and uh, Sarah knew what to do and this young man knew what to do and they, they brought it together as quickly as possible. They were prepared. They had probably done this before. And there was an expense here. The, the flour, fine flour, the milk, the curds. The, uh, he just kind of lavishes on his guests. It's a wonderful example. He was prepared. And then you see service. I love it that he stood there while they were eating. Um, it just, again, the heart of a servant. I'm, I'm here to, to meet your every need. I'll, I'll do anything to, to, uh, to please you and to, to help you. But then you just have to notice the, the substance. Okay, he promised just a little water, a little bread, and, and I'll send you on your way. But no, he, he, this is a meal of substance. This was just supposed to be a little snack. This is a meal fit for the king. He has meat involved. He's indulging his guests. Um, there's just a side note that I want to note here. Because Abraham, he undersold it. Oh, just just a little water. Just a. It's not going to take long. It won't take too much time. It won't be too hard for me. I can do this. I would love to do this for you. Just a, he undersold it, but he over delivered. He undersold, but he over delivered. Now we live in a day of marketing. Every commercial is just puts it out there, and most of the time, most of the time, it's it's. Um, Oversold and under delivered. Isn't it? You, you, you get hyped up and you, you see that little widget in, uh, on the, on the commercial and you, you have to order that thing and you get it and it's like, eh, it just doesn't, doesn't cut it. It wasn't that great. There's a principle here. There's a principle here. And the church, the church has, has done this now for decades. They've marketed the church. They've oversold the church. 
Now, not that you can actually do that, but when it comes down to substance, the church is not looking, the world is not looking for what the church has. Not in, in that sense. And they just marketed the church there. And, and many times they, they just, people come in and they are undersold because they're not really looking for spiritual uh, blessings or spiritual uh, sustenance at, at all. So we have to be very, very careful and know what people are looking for. And the principle here is just that Abraham was the, the quintessential gracious host. He was completely ready to, to serve his guest. He was prepared. He knew what to do. And he was, he was wanting them to feel at home. I like that. He wants them to feel at home. He was willing to work and he was prepared and he put all of this effort and this foresight so that they would feel comfortable. Home is a, a place to feel comfortable. Now, they, they are away from home, obviously. They're away from home and they, um, they're visiting. They're at his home and he wants them to feel comfortable. Home is where needs are met. Home is a natural place for for comfort. It's the hub of the family. It's the place that needs are already being met. People are already being ministered to. At least children and wives, husbands are being ministered to. That that home is a place of ministry. At least that's what we see in Scripture. Scripture, you see a spiritual growth taking place in the home and teaching and learning and as well as comfort. In fact, so much so that the early church, where did they meet? Early on, they met in homes. The apostles, they would, they would have to travel from place to place. And many times they would stay in homes. There was no holiday inn. So hospitality was essential at this time. Peter and Paul traveled probably the most. And they were extensive. And they encouraged hospitality. There's one illustration, I think, that would be good for you to know. In Acts chapter 27, in Acts chapter 27, you have a situation where Paul is being transported to, uh, from Caesarea. He is under, he is under watch. He is in prison, essentially, from Caesarea for two years. And he's going to be taken to Rome, and he's going to be in Rome for two years. So he's under, uh, this arrest, and, uh, in Acts chapter 27, in verse 3, it says the next day they set, they put in at, so they, they were taking a boat, taking him from Caesarea to Rome. Uh, he was under armed guard. There was other guards. There's other prisoners with him. But it noticed that Julius, that's the, the centurion that was in charge of Paul, took or treated Paul with consideration and allowed him to go to his friends and receive care. Now just think about the situation. Paul's in town just for a brief period of time. Friends hear about it. Oh, Paul's at the dock. They, let, let's, go, let's go get him. They go down, get him. They bring him back up. They minister to his needs. That's preparation. That's readiness. That's just at a moment's notice. They, and they, they worked hard, I'm sure, to minister to Paul's needs at that at that moment. Preparation. Hospitality takes work. It takes hard. Uh, it takes foresight. And 
It's within the home. And sometimes it may take just a moment's notice. And um, and the, the home is the good place for hospitality. It's not the only place, but it's a good place for hospitality. It's where the food is. It's where you can prepare the food. It's where you can help people to rest and to relax and, and to feel comfortable. The home is a, a more important place, folks, than the world seems to think it is. The world is selling the home as a place to that, that you get stuck. Oh, you're just stuck at home. We use that phrase, especially to women. They're stuck at home because of children or, or whatever. And the, the husband's out having fun, conquering the world, but they're just stuck at home. But really, in Scripture, it's just the opposite. The, the home is the place to want to be. That's where ministry is happening. Um, I know with even with them in my own home, many times I, I've wanted to get back home. Why? Because I knew that's where, you know, there's a lot of activity. Kids are being uh, ministered to and they're, they're having fun. They're, this is a, a place of, of hospitality, a place of comfort. We just need to keep that in mind here. The world, though also needs to see a stable home. The only example that the world sees of a home today is, is just on TV. Uh, and many times it's, it's a dysfunctional home. It's not a very gracious home for sure. And at best, it's a shallow home. And the world needs to see what a home looks like, what ministry looks like, what raising children looks like in a in a godly way. And it's a wonderful place for, for ministry. And so Abraham is using the home here. And he's prepared. And he's done a good job. He's the, the quintessential servant in, in hospitality. He's using his home for, for that. Hospitality includes preparation, foresight, and work. But then it, it also leads, though, to a conversation. Now, you need to know this fourth point here. Look at verse Turn back to our Genesis passage. In verse 9, we see, And they said to him, this would have been the guest, saying to Abraham, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, There in the tent. And he said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah had Sarah's past childbearing. And Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And Yahweh said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a son when I am so old? Is anything too difficult for Yahweh? At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Then Sarah denied it, having said uh, afterwards, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. What do you see here? You see a conversation. A, A conversation. Hospitality doesn't stop with just food. The, the hospitality, the, the, the food part is just the, the, the gateway to the conversation. 
And the, the Lord starts this off. I love this. He, he uh, asks some questions, a, a couple of questions. Where's Sarah? He kind of singles Sarah out here. The Lord knows the, the lingering doubts in her life, in her mind, that, that maybe she's kept quiet for a number of years here. And Sarah laughs when she hears the news that she's going to bear a son. And she, maybe she thinks she, she kept it to herself, but maybe laughed a little too loud that they, they noticed. But even then, I mean, even if she didn't laugh out loud, the Lord knows her heart. And she was clearly thinking that by the biological clock has ended here. It's just not going to happen. It's impossible. It's impossible for me to have a son. The second question is really fitting. He said, is there anything too hard for God? Is there anything too hard for God? The conversation is turned then to, to the heart, to examine the heart. He kind of confronts Sarah. And what is needed here is, is an understanding of God, the power of God. Now, that's what hospitality leads to. Hospitality doesn't stop with the food. It, it, it's just an, an avenue to a conversation that conversation then leads to heart issues, leads to heart issues. And that heart issues always, always, always should point to God. And we have a college minister here, and I think Richard's doing an excellent job. Excellent job with the college ministry. But he uses food. you got to feed college students, right? But that's not where it stops. You don't just bring the college students in. Hey, we're going to have a feast for you and you eat well and you send you on your way. No, the conversation always leads to what's going on in your life. What's going on in your heart? And God has an answer for that. That's the conversation. That's what happened. Now, Abraham and Sarah were, were thinking practically and they're thinking, they're looking at their own bodies and thinking, this is impossible. But God is not limited to nature, is he? He's not limited to the natural restrictions of the human body. They needed to be strengthened in their faith. And, and that's exactly what needed to happen. And, and so they pro, they're provided a theology. Oh, there's nothing impossible for God. God can do anything. That's a, that's a wonderful example of, of, uh, of just a conversation around the meal around the dinner table that maybe that you're going to have today with, with other people, a conversation that, that will turn to God and you'll have a theological answer. God is an incredible God. He's an all-powerful God. There's nothing impossible to Him. Now, folks, that should bless our hearts and that should bless the hearts of any guests that we would have coming in. But we have a world that just wants to feed people, just to, to end poverty. Christ said you're never going to end poverty. The poor you're always going to have with you. We can use that food, though, to meet a bigger need. What's the bigger need than food? Well, spiritual need. People need Christ. They, they need spiritual sustenance for their life. Spiritual growth and refreshment and fellowship around a conversation about God, who God is, who Christ is, what is redemption, what is salvation. That's the conversation. And food, hospitality, for the believer just lends itself to that. That's where it goes. That's where it's going to go. Because that's what's going to refresh the heart, right? 
That, that's the goal of hospitality is to refresh the heart, not just meet the need, the physical need. Hospitality is, is a part of a, just a righteous life, and it, and it should always be to the glory of God as though you were serving God, and the goal is, is a refreshment spiritually. Hospitality consists of an opportunity, invitation, preparation, and then, don't forget, the conversation. Conversation. Now, folks, we, I think we need to change our thinking so much here. Sometimes we just we're Americans. We deserve to be served. We need to switch that around. We need a servant mentality. We're not here to be served. We're here to serve. And Christ himself was was a, a minister. He was he said, I didn't come to be served. I came to, to serve others. You know, the highest calling that we could ever have in this life is to be the servant of the Most High God. Abraham was a, a wonderful just servant, a servant of the Most High God. Now, at some point, he probably recognized, I'm, I'm serving the Lord here. This guy knows more than just the average man. At some point, it clicked in, in Abraham's mind and heart that I, I'm serving God here. But you know what? That was probably into the conversation. His reaction... As a believer, just just a part of his life is to meet the needs of other people. Folks, that's what we should have. That's a true servant's heart. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for our time around your word. May it just grip us. May it may we apply it where we need to. Ministering to other people in our home, maybe being out and minister to other people. Uh, when we see the opportunity, and Lord, may those opportunities always lead to a conversation about you. Help us to be bold in doing that. Help us to be, help us to see ourselves as servants of the Most High God, serving you. Lord, thank you for using us, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.